Welcome to the Healthy Body, Healthy Mind podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kinghorn, co-founder and CEO of HBHM. We're a carbon neutral wellness brand and we're focused on the well-being of our customers and the planet. We produce a range of products designed to support a healthy lifestyle. This podcast is for our community. We'll have a range of experts in the health, fitness and wellness space designed to help you all improve many aspects of your life. For listening to this podcast, you can get 15% off our products at hbhm.com by using the code hbhmpod at checkout. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Healthy Body, Healthy Mind podcast. So today we have Robbie Simpson with us. Uh, Robbie is a elite runner from the northeast of Scotland, probably most well known for his Commonwealth Games uh, bronze medal in the marathon in uh, the Gold Coast in Australia in 2018. But there's a lot more to him than that. Looking through his UK Athletics profile last night, there's been race wins all around the world. Uh, there's been multiple podium places at World and European Mountain Running Championships, as well as podium places at the famous Sierra Zanal Mountain Race. Um, he's a several-time winner of the Jungfrau Marathon in Switzerland. Got to get it pronounced right. Um, and if he enters a, a race locally in Scotland, it's rare if there's not a first place against his name. So he's a proper all-rounder uh, on road and mountain races, uh, boasting PBs in the marathon of 2 hours 14 minutes, half marathon of 64 minutes, as well as a 10K of 29 minutes as well. So an incredible runner. And he's even dipped his toes into the ultra running world as well. So also in a couple of weeks time, he'll be up against the best of Britain at the Team GB Olympic Marathon Trials in London. So welcome to the Healthy Body, Healthy Mind podcast, Robbie. Good to have you on. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks for thanks for having me on, Brian. It's good to, good to have a chat. And um, yeah, it's, it's going well, thanks. So yeah, it's the last, well, it's only two weeks now to the to the champs, um, to, to the trials. So it's, yeah, starting to taper things down and just relax a little bit more, which is sometimes good, sometimes bad. But yeah. So well, let's, let's go straight into the trials then, and then we'll, we'll bring it back and, and hear a bit more about you after that. So how are you feeling then? How's, how's training been going? Um, well, I mean, I've started building up sort of October, November last year and started off well. Things were going well. I was really optimistic. And then just really towards the end of last year, beginning of this year, there was a, oh, a lot of snow and ice and things. And I was doing my best. But to be honest, I wasn't feeling that great. I had a little bit of illness and, you know, it wasn't the best. And I was thinking, right, we'll see how it goes. I'll just keep persevering with the training. But really the last sort of three, four weeks, things have really picked up and uh, turned around. And now I'm starting to feel like the training's worked. So quite often, you know, you're training, you do a lot of good sessions and you don't feel great straight away it just takes a little bit of time for them to sink in so now I'm feeling that it's it's coming together so now we're more or less on the taper it's just a case of ticking over and just sharpening up a little bit but yeah happy like with a marathon build-up it's never perfect start to finish but as long as it's good closer to the race I think that's the, the important part so yeah and how excited are you to you know line up against all these other guys 
Uh, yeah, really excited. I mean, it's it's been a long time since I had an actual race, yeah. let alone a, a world class or certainly yeah a very high class event like this. So it's really exciting, and it's it's nice to do a race where you have no idea how it's going to go. Yeah. So um, often you can go into like a, a local race or or something, and, and you have a good idea of what you're capable of, but I've no idea. So just turn up and run and, and see what happens. So it's yeah. exciting. So what what is the format of format of it? You know, how many runners are there? I know it's laps, but like you know, what's the distance of each lap and things like that? Um, so the field I think was up to a maximum of probably thirty, but. I mean, it could be anything between 20 and 30. I think there's been maybe a few last minute dropouts. Um, so men, there's the same probably number of men and women roughly um, starting at the same time and running on the same course, which is, well, it, there's a small lap at the beginning, which is about a mile. And then there's a long, a longer lap, which is 3.333 kilometers or something. And we do 12 of those. And then there's a, a slight extra bit at the end. So yeah, it's quite... A lot of laps, thirteen in total, taking in you know considering the first lap too. So it's it's a lot. It's very different to the normal London race format. But having said that, I think it's quite good because it's very flat, and they're telling us it's quite sheltered as well. Okay. Um, and there's a few corners, obviously, um, which they've tried to smoothen out and make less uh, severe. And they say it's a very fast course, so yeah, we'll we'll see. But um, I'm hopeful that it is. And how are you feeling about the laps? that many laps are you just taking it in your stride or is it something you're conscious of um well to begin with i was thinking oh i don't like laps and originally it was only meant to be eight laps um but the 5k loop that they wanted to use wasn't suitable in the end i think there was sections that were very narrow and tight corners and things so then when it got changed to 13 i was like oh i don't like running laps and people were saying oh you're not a track runner so you don't like doing laps but actually having practiced a little bit more there's a lot of advantages to it because you know exactly what you have coming is much easier to pace. It's much easier to pick up drinks and things as well. Um, Cause you'll have like a table basically every lap where you can get, you know, energy drinks, water, whatever. Um, so, so that's really good. And I think mentally it's quite easy just to tick off the distance. So I've done a couple of sessions doing laps and gone into them thinking, Oh, I'm not sure how I'm going to enjoy this, but then it's gone by quickly. It's always been consistent. And so I thought, yeah, it's just got to, Take it, like you say, take it in your stride. There's no other choice. So yeah, I can't. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose I... you've got the <laughs> you've got the opportunity to race, which you know there hasn't been that many opportunities recently. So that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm not going to complain about any small details like that. I'm just happy to be going there and getting a race. Awesome. And so, who else is running that you're aware of? You know, I know people might pull out and things, but as far as you're aware, who else is running? You know, from uh, British runners. Um, so just thinking of the, the top guys, I'm assuming uh, Ben Connor from England, Johnny Meller, I would say, Dewey Griffiths, um, all those guys have ran fairly close to 210 um, or just under. So I think those will be the main guys. And then I'm sure there'll be guys like Josh Griffiths as well, um, who's yeah, also been a good performer over the years. I'm trying to think who else. I haven't looked into it. I've not seen a start list or anything. So just I think concentrating on yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think pretty much everybody who's run, I think to, to, to be invited, you need to have a PB of under 219. Okay. So I think more or less all those guys got an invite. And I don't know how many of them accepted, but yeah, definitely yeah, everyone who's there is going to be fast. So, yeah. And have you, what's, what's the goal? 
Um, well, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I don't have a specific time in mind. Um, I'd like to run a PB if, well, I feel like it's possible now with the fitness I've got. It's just a case of running a good race, um, which is obviously tricky as well. So it's, yeah, I have to really think about how to pace it and uh, what group to run with. Cause I know there's a pace group that goes, is going for 210. Um, and I think for me, that's a bit of a jump up in terms of, yeah, my PB at the moment uh, being quite a few minutes slower than that. So it's just trying to know then what group to try and go with or how to, how to approach it that side. Cause I, I have to go and really give it a proper shot and run fast. I don't want to go there and sort of jog the first half and yeah. not put myself in any contention. It's just getting the right balance to, I mean, there's a, also the goal of qualifying for the next Commonwealth Games. The, the qualification time, I think, is 2.15. So um, <clears throat> if I ran quicker than I've done before and got under that, that would be that would be good. And then apart from that, it's just see how it goes. I mean, if I got halfway through and I feel really good, I can always pick up. And yeah, I don't really have a limit of a time that I can't run. But at the same time, it's I, I don't, everybody's like thinks they can run faster than they can most of the yeah. time. And they go in and... You know, they say, oh, I only want to run like whatever, 2.15 and then they run the first half in like 65 and then yeah. run 2.20. So <laughs> it's just trying to be sensible and yeah. um, not get too carried away. So. Yeah, well, we've all we've all been there. And, uh, <laughs> it's good to hear that even the, even the elites have that, um, you know, going off too quick and then suffering the, the second half. So yeah, it's all about just, you know, making the making the sensible choices in the first half. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, but I think it'll be, it could be faster than the normal London course because I find the first half of the, the normal London marathon is a little bit downhill and you can go quite fast there. But then the second half does drag on a bit and there's a few little climbs and quiet sections where you, your head goes a little bit. So I think it might be a faster course. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see, but hopefully. And is it just a, is it just a full out? Because I know obviously Callum Hawkins, he's already pre-selected. Um, is it just the you know the the first two get selected or is that how it's working yeah i think it's first two um on the day but i think they also have, have to have run the qualification time which is about i think 2 11 30 yeah so yeah i'm assuming that the first two guys on the day will be faster than that anyway yeah um, you'd think but then a few guys have already ran the time in other races so if they if for example the race was very slow um winning time then they might get picked if they're in the first two just because they've run the time yeah. somewhere else. Um, mm. so I'm not exactly sure. They seem to always leave a little kind of get out clause. Like, yeah, we would pick this person, but in some circumstances we won't, or ah, okay. there's always like a, a way they can maneuver a bit. So. Okay. Oh, well, and just, you know, I suppose there's the logistics side from a COVID perspective. I assume it's some sort of bubble again. Is it COVID safe bubble? Um, well, yeah, we all have to get tests and things um, the day before the event, before going there. But I think there's not much mixing of anybody really until the race. Okay. So we're all still kept separate. And then I think even on the start line, we have to wear masks more or less till a few seconds before the start. Um, but it's more complicated because everybody needs to have a plus one to hand out bottles and things. Okay. Um, so then it just means there's a lot more of us there. and. Yeah. Uh, for example, um, Ginny's coming with me to hand out my drinks and things, but if she tests positive, then I can't race either and things. So there's, there's all these just little issues with it. I think in an ideal world, they'd want us all to live within an hour of the race and just turn up yeah, like either the night before or the morning of the race. But obviously, traveling from here, have to be there a bit more in advance. So, oh, well, so yeah. Ginny, Ginny, who's your, your partner, obviously, so you'll be... 
just both in the house, not seeing anyone for the next couple of weeks to ensure there's no risk of anything. Yeah, that's something I've had to think about because if the worst case scenario would be to go there, then test positive, because then I wouldn't be able to just come straight back, yeah. you know, fly back home. I'd have to stay there probably for 10 days or whatever, two weeks. So <laughs> yeah, the next the next week anyway, you're certainly not, not going to mix with anyone. <laughs> cool. Okay, so it's the 26th, Friday the 26th of March. Yeah. Q Gardens, is that right? Yeah. And is it televised? Do we know that yet? Um, that's a good question. I think they were trying to get that organised um, with the BBC, but yeah. I think they left it quite late. But it, yeah, I'm not 100% sure, but I think they're trying to. Yeah, well, well, ho- hopefully it is and we can, you know, watch and cheer you along yeah. on the day. So yeah, no, best, best of luck on that. It's going to be awesome to see you as, as part of that group of runners. So Right, well, let, let's bring it right back to the start then. So how, how did you first get into running? Was there any other sports involved or was it always running? Um, well, I tried some other sports when I was younger, but I was terrible at basically every, everything else. No coordination or speed or you know, skill like football, just no skill at all. So um, I just I joined the athletics club in Bankery because um, one of my friends was there. Um, so I must have been, well, I was in the youngest probably age you could be for joining so that would be say 11 or 12 something like that and um yeah I did a few events and it was pretty much lasting everything the whole time like all the short distance things but then we did a longer event one time like I can't remember if it was an 800 or 1500 and I wasn't lasting that and actually felt quite good at it um and then at school we did a few running events as well we had this like 2k fun run which I did and really surprised myself. Um, I won it one of the years. I can't remember if it was the first year I did it or the second, but I won that and it gave me a bit of confidence to then do some of these longer events. And to begin with, I was doing like track and cross country um, with the club and it was quite nice just representing the club and and going down and doing races and and actually winning things as well from quite a young age. So like I must've had some sort of ability to run long, but you know, I still had very poor skills in, in every other event and even like sprinting and things. I couldn't really do that very well, yeah. but that was all, yeah, really just at the start. Um, but it was great. I think in this local area, cause there were so many little events on that you could try even from a young age. So I really got the taste of the competition quite early. And, um, and yeah, and it was just good to see the progress because I wasn't even training when I really, when I did those first events, it was just yeah. off of like whatever fitness from walking around a bit, cycling quite a lot when I was younger. So I had fitness and then that was enough to do okay. And, and then when I started training, then I really noticed um, the improvement. So yeah. it was good. So, so how, how long now then roughly would you have been like properly training then? Ooh, yeah, quite a long time actually. So, I mean, I did my first races in 2004, like the first sort of cross country season. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a lot of years now, isn't it? It's like 16, <laughs> 17 years. Yeah of racing and the likes of Balmoral as well. You know, I raced that 2004 and I think 2005, even I was, I did quite well at one of the races. I, I can't remember if it was that year or the year after I won one of the primary school races, no, the, sorry, secondary school race. So um, yeah, I mean, I've been training consistently since then, but I probably only really increased to quite high, well, higher mileage when I was uh, 18 or so. But even that, like, it's, it's over 10 years of, yeah. Probably did the first hundred mile week when I was like eighteen, so it's, uh, it's like twelve years almost of <laughs> training at like that. So don't know how many more years are left, but 
Uh, I'm sure there's plenty. I'm sure there's plenty of life left in you yet. You just need to go longer. You know that's what happens. Isn't it? As you get older, uh, just go longer and you know go into longer distance races. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because like one of the first races, the, always the first time I've ever done well in an event was when I've gone up a distance. And I remember doing like a, a half marathon. I did a ten mile one year, the the D side ten mile, whatever it was, Ballater ten, and it was the day after a hill race, and I just did it as like a Sunday run and won it and. I was, I think, one of the youngest people to have ever like raced ten miles or something. I was like sixteen, um, <laughs> but like I've, I felt really good over that distance because that was longer than what I was used to. And then it was the same doing half marathons and things. So I've always kind of preferred longer distances. Um, but now, like the, the longer distances now look very daunting once you go beyond yeah. beyond fifty k and stuff. It's yeah. Well, <laughs> I've well, no, I've never gone further than marathon apart from my own uh, sort of thing that I did at uh, Christmas time but it was very painful <laughs> going, <laughs> going about like I you know I sailed through the marathon distance feeling really comfortable um, and it was I think it was 43 and a half miles in total is what the run was um, and yeah I think I got to around 30 miles and just those last <laughs> 30 miles were a big struggle so I think I'm just going to stick to marathons for the for the time being anyway that was really good to see that I, I did I think it was impressive to give it a go and uh, yeah it just shows you there's something about it psychologically because a marathon is far but when you just run it slightly easier than than what you'd race at you think oh yeah I could surely do a lot more yeah and then you can but then you i think once you get to 30 miles it gets really hard <laughs> so 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 when i know you're obviously a, a professional runner right now so when did you turn pro originally um well i so i finished uni when i was oh, i can't even remember how old i was now but i guess i was early 20s and then i wanted to just move abroad and do you know mountain running because yeah. there wasn't much in the way of the races in the uk and I thought I could move over there and sort of live quite cheaply. And I'd saved up a little bit of money just from working after I'd left school. So um, I just went over there and I didn't, I don't know if I had the plan to be pro, but I just thought I would get a job when the money ran out. Yeah. Um, but then I'd race as much as I could in the hope that I could maybe earn enough money not to get a job. And then like, and I had a little bit of support as well, like sponsorship from, from back at home and, and um, from Macintosh plant hire at the time. And, okay. and that kind of kept me going um, initially and then within a year or two I was <clears throat> racing a lot better and I was yeah that's when I got the medal in the European champs um, as well and then from there I just sort of kicked on and then I was kind of in the racing circuit doing things almost every week in the summer and then saving a bit of money so I, I wasn't getting any sponsorship from from any brand or anything but I was just making enough to survive yeah. and I was living quite cheaply so that helped um, so then I just kept going like that for a while and and yeah, so that must have been, I guess I was 23 or something. So okay. yeah, about almost seven years, six, seven years of being pro. But a lot of people ask me about going pro, but it's it's not really a decision that you make. Like I'm just going to, unless you just sign a contract yeah. straight away, like you have to really race well and then then you make more than you spend. And then that is, now you don't have to work anymore. So it's yeah. not like you quit your job to try and be pro. It's more yeah, you get good enough that you don't have to work um, to earn the money. You can get it through racing. Yeah. So it but, just sort of happened then? Just sort of happened over time? Yeah, because I was always prepared, like, oh, if, if I get injured or something, then I'll, I'll just pick up some work um, and then that'll keep me going. But then I was lucky enough that I could save a bit. Every year I just saved a little bit more 
And then I was thinking, well, now I could go like say six months without doing any races and it'd be okay. And so that kept me going. Yeah. While I was away. And now you're an Adidas athlete. Is that right? How long have you been working with them? Um, so I, yeah, just since the end of uh, 2019, I signed the contract, like starting in 2020, which was, it was good in, in some ways because it was the first time I've had like a, like a rule where you are, you know, I am, like I get a, a salary as not, you know, I'm not got a, a massive salary, but I've got something to, to keep me going like a retainer. Yeah. And that was, that was great to have. And it was my first proper like contract and everything. But then of course it coincided with starting 2020 and I <laughs> barely managed to do any races now to, yeah, to, to sort of show like my, my kind of performances in that, but I've been able to do something and I'm just glad to have had the support in that time because if I hadn't signed the contract yeah. with no races to do and, you know, it would have been a totally different uh, feel the last year. Yeah. Oh well, no. Hopefully, you can get more races this year. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so what does your what does your training generally look like? You know, if you're training for a marathon, you know how much miles per week. You know, what type of sessions are you doing per week? You know, how does that look? Um. Well, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It looks very different to the mountain running training, but um, <laughs> I quite like generally fairly high mileage um all through the year, just because I I feel that it makes me um able to absorb a bit more in the way of quality training as well. And just, I can get away with doing a little bit less of the, the really high intensity stuff. Cause that tends to be what injures me. I think doing, you know, jumping on the track and doing absolutely flat out reps, it doesn't seem to work so well for me. So I quite like the longer, longer runs, longer sort of tempo sessions, long reps, things like that. I'm a big fan of. So um, in the marathon training, I might go up to, I mean, I've gone up to 120 miles before, but I would probably go between 110, 115, quite a lot of weeks. It seems to be enough for me to like build up enough fatigue so I'm getting fitter, but at the same time, I'm not going into sessions completely knackered and not able to get like uh, the quality out of them. So, so I generally do about that for a decent uh, block of, you know, a few months maybe, and then probably two harder sessions a week, not really more than that, just because I struggle to recover um, I think when I was younger, I don't remember ever having tired legs. <laughs> do like do anything I wanted, and all day, day, every day. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't doing the same mileage, but certainly the quality. Like, I could do a hard session the next day, my legs would feel fresh. Whereas now, I feel tired <laughs> the next day. So I, yeah, I, I generally have two harder days, and one of them might be a tempo run, or if it's not a tempo run, it'll be reps that are long. You know, maybe a couple of kilometers um, worth. Well, reps of a couple of kilometers long. Um, and then one session that's maybe a little bit shorter, sharper, like 1K reps or one mile reps um, in there just to keep the speed going. And then I'm a big fan of doing a, some long runs with tempo in them as well, like at marathon pace or close to marathon effort. Um, you know, not a lot of them because uh, I've done a lot of different training in the past, I should say, like before marathons, I've experimented a lot and I've found that there's a point where you can train too much and just end up tired. So like before Gold Coast, I really, I was very conservative with the training sessions and I didn't do any very big sessions, but I just managed to do a lot of good weeks and a lot of mileage. And I think that really worked. So now I don't go back to doing, in the past, I did something like a 23 mile tempo run one time and, uh, you know, like seven by three K and, and stuff like that. I don't go back to doing that just because I found it just made me knackered and I didn't race very well. So there's a kind of a fine line between training hard enough to get fit and training so hard that you actually become less fit so it's kind of finding that sweet spot 
Yeah. One of the things I noticed, I was on your Strava earlier on today and, you know, the consistency is absolutely incredible over the last, you know, the last, I think, 12 weeks, you know, you get the last 12 weeks, it shows you on Strava, but certainly the last sort of six, it's pretty much exact same mileage uh, every week. And I think I'd certainly what I find is what it's helped me improve is just that consistency for a regular basis. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think that's where it pays off because you can be, you can try and do more and like, yeah, I could probably squeeze in some extra miles and some extra sessions, but then you would get like two weeks in and then you'd need to really cut back again and then, or you'd get an injury and need some time off. And I think it's just that unbroken run of just doing lots of miles and sessions and they don't need to be amazing, but it's just doing them like week in, week out. And like last year as well, like I think I had a few days off. I tried to take, I never normally take days off, but after the Larry Grew race, I took a day off running. Then after the Benny Ultra, I took a day off running. And I think I only had maybe three days off in the whole year um, off of running. And yeah, every week was just consistent. So then going into this year, it's felt good. So yeah, I think that's what gets you fit. It's just the difference is it's trying to change the focus. So you can be consistent, but then I couldn't do the same two sessions every week. And then still improve. It's like going through phases of saying, oh, the focus of this training block is speed or this is, you know, strength or this is uh, marathon specific sessions. And you're always consistent, but you're just train changing the sessions based on what your goal is. Um, yeah. Awesome. And I know there's this, you know, some cross training, some runners absolutely swear by it um, and do, you know, other, other training or strength and conditioning. Whereas there's some other runners that just do none of it. So where do you, where do you sit on that spectrum? Um, well, the, the strength and conditioning is interesting because I've started doing that in the last, um, in the last sort of year and a half um, since I've been on the Institute of Sport in Scotland. And like I go and do well one or two sessions a week in the gym. So I found that interesting, like just to, to see how my body reacts. And like, I, I definitely think that I've had fewer niggles because of that. Um but it's been very specific to running and, and, you know, lots of squats and lunges and things like that. And recently more like plyometrics. And I think it's been good. I've enjoyed it as well, just the variety. And sometimes you go into it knackered because you've done a load of running, but actually you feel quite fresh when you're doing it and then it kind of wakes the legs up. So that's been good. But I think that, yeah, it's, it's very easy to get caught up in other sports and think, Oh, I can do cross training like every day and do very little running. But the problem with the running, especially marathons is, you really need all the conditioning like to run the distance and not get injured. You have to be able to handle a really high load. I think, you know, running a long time and sometimes on hard surfaces and sometimes very fast. And if you kind of shy away from that and get too into the cross training, I think you can not condition yourself enough. And then you are more likely to get injured maybe when you do these longer events, but then also if, if you're naturally more likely to get injured, certainly the cross training helps as like a balance of stopping you getting too injured. So it's definitely useful for some people, but in generally, if I was training for a marathon, I would prefer to run more than anything else because running is obviously the one I'm going to be doing. Whereas if I was training for mountain running, I might find it more useful to do a bit more cycling or even hiking and things like that, just because it's a slightly different set of muscles and, and fitness that, that it, than it is from road running. So um, there can be a bit more overlap. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, so I suppose, you know, you're doing all the, you're doing, you know, big mileage, you're, you know, doing some, you know, some strength and condition as well. So what about your recovery? How does it look? Uh, you know, any particular methods of recovery that you're, you know, any modalities, anything like that, or how does your recovery look? 
Um, well, I think one thing is really being uh, very cautious with r- easy runs, like having actual easy runs and not saying it's easy and running really fast every day. Because uh, that, that's in the past, like when I've been really tired or struggling to recover, I just go out the door, I don't even look at the watch and just run really easy on trails. And I find that that makes me feel better. And then normally the next day, I feel a bit fresher again. Yeah. And I think, yeah, being off road definitely helps. So if I'm doing easy runs, they'll be on road almost, no, sorry, on, on trails almost all the time. Um, apart from maybe in the middle of winter, if it's dark, I might run like my second run in the evening might be on road just because it's street lit. But like the rest of the time, I would just try and get off roads um, to help recovery. But otherwise, yeah, just trying, just not being lazy, I think the word is. <laughs> it's just trying not to do too much apart from the training and, and really sleeping a lot. Like, yeah, sleeping sometimes 10 hours, not always, but, you know, nine to 10 hours most nights and trying to minimize doing a lot of walking around. I mean, I take the dog out every day for a walk, but um, yeah, the rest of the time, not stressing too much. Yeah. And is sleep something that you've been more conscious of as you've, you know, grown older in your career? Yeah, definitely. Because when I was younger, I didn't really find there was any issue with... <laughs> just got on with it. Yeah, you know, you'd travel to races and you couldn't sleep or whatever and you just, yeah, you'd still race fine and, and yeah, you'd do a big session and not worry about sleep or you'd have something else on or whatever and it was never an issue. I could always just get up and, and do the same training and to some extent I probably can but I just know how damaging it is to do it for a long time. Yeah. And I have been very careful to try and force that. And I think the last year has been really, well, because of lockdown, to be honest, it's, it's been easier to get to sleep because I've had fewer other things to do that get in the way. So um, I think I've noticed the benefit of that in terms of injuries, you know, fewer injuries. Yeah. No, I think sleep is becoming more and more important. And I think it's more and more athletes and, you know, anyone is just more aware of sleep there used to be this mentality about you know like you know a lack of sleep being a bit of a badge of honor but i think that's (laughs) i think that's slowly changing and you know i can certainly still improve but over the last couple of years i've definitely been more aware and try and make sure i get enough sleep because it definitely helps you feel fresher yeah from a, a running perspective you know that is your profession so you clearly need to be but you know for me as a you know a keen runner but also you know, the, the business and things like that, sleep is just so important to your, your everyday life. And too many of us are, are not getting enough of it as well. So yeah, it's definitely something to to pay attention to and try and improve, that's for sure. There's a really good book, um, oh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's about sleep and this like complete expert telling you all the different things that happen when you do sleep or don't sleep that much and all the different illnesses and issues linked to it. And I read that book and then, yeah, it changed everything. Like, it's amazing. Probably it's Why amazing. We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Yeah. Yeah, I've read, that, I've read that book as well. So, yeah, definitely recommend that to any listeners as well. It's a, a great read. It's a harrowing read as well. You know, <laughs> if you're not getting enough sleep, you know, it really does highlight how important it is. So, yeah, definitely recommend that book to, to anyone, regardless of what you do. Yeah. So, so on to a bit about nutrition then. Is, you know, any particular diet that you follow at all or um i've tried lots of different things just to, i mean when i was younger i just eat anything and just tons of it and i still do to some extent um i think my main thing when it comes to diet is eating a lot like yeah. eating a lot all the time so since i was young i've eaten a lot and i've, I've 
I'm always just eating tons and tons of food. And I think that really helps just the recovery as well. But like, it's obviously important to eat the right things, but a lot of people just cut back on calories a little bit. And, and I think that's the worst for injuries and just for energy levels and things. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've tried, I'm more or less don't eat meat. I mean, I've gone a long time without eating meat in the past and I even tried like being vegan for a few months and stuff. Um, but I think overall, there's no like secret weapon when it comes to diet. I think it's just eating healthily, like lots of vegetables, um, lots of variety, you know, different grains, different, different everything. I don't think it's bad to have meat. I don't think it's bad to have anything in particular, but just having lots and lots of variety and yeah. And, and really reading a bit about it, like about what things do. And a lot of people seem to think they have a healthy diet. I think everybody would say they have a healthy diet, but then when they actually see, if they lay it all out on a plate, like, and, and see what it is compared to what a healthy diet actually is, yeah. then they'd be, um, yeah, a little bit shocked. So, <laughs> And I, I know that you're, are you still very much a pizza man the, the night before a race? Um, yeah. I mean, obviously I haven't been traveling to any races recently, so that's taken a bit of a hit, but it would always, well, it started off, I was doing a lot of races in Italy and things and, um, you know, close to Italy and there'd always be amazing pizzas and it's one of the best things you can have just because, you know, it's going to be kind of freshly made and safe and heated to a really high temperature. So it's quite a safe thing to have. And it's very easy to, to eat because if you're nervous before a race, like sometimes like picking at a bowl of pasta when you're, you know, in a, in a group of about a hundred other runners in this sort of tent thing before a race, you, you get a bit nervous. Whereas a pizza, you can just sneak off and get a pizza yeah. eat it in your room and then yeah it's easier to eat so. yeah good for you night before it's just nothing too spicy i've learned that i've learned that <laughs> <laughs> yeah nothing too spicy nothing too heavy you know i would I wouldn't have anything like really meaty or fatty the night before a race either just to something easy in the stomach yeah yeah cool um so i was sort of thinking about you know i think running you know for a lot of people especially over the last year you know with lockdowns happening all around the world and things like that you know running for mental health has became you know really important this and you know my experience of that as well as i you know I've, I've battered on for years that you know running for me is as much as it as much physical as mental you know i think getting out outside clearing the head getting fresh air in nature you know really, really helps you know i think you know, if you get out in the morning, it really sets you up for your day, you know, likewise, get in the evening, it can just, you know, clear your head after a, a tough day at work or whatever it is. So, you know, for you being an elite athlete, and effectively, it's your job to run, you know, do you still get that sort of mental health benefit from running? Yeah, definitely. I think, well, I've always really enjoyed running. And I think the two things that make you feel good are being out in, the, in nature, um, especially when you're running off road and things. And in the countryside, like that is a great, even if you weren't running, just being there is great for your mental health. It makes you feel good. And then secondly, when you push yourself physically and do like a harder workout, then it obviously releases endorphins too and everything. And you feel, you feel really good. So the combination of the two of them just makes running, I think, a really good sport um, for your mental health. And I think for some professional athletes, it might not be quite the same because if you're forced to follow a plan, like if you have to, and, and you're say a track runner or something and it's and you're knackered and you're like oh I've got to go out the door and do this then then maybe it's not like that but I don't know because it's not me you know I really enjoy getting out there every day and I think it's very rare to finish a run and not feel a lot better than you did at the start yeah so there'll be some days when I'm really tired and I've done a run in the morning and then I'm like oh an evening run like 
with sore legs. But then I go out and then I come back and I'm like, wow, that was that so was great. Excited. Just just what you needed. And if you are stressed, then I think it's the best thing you can do. Yeah. Um, certainly when you become more comfortable running, when you start off and it's very, very hard, it probably helps too. But when you get fitter and it's just, it feels really automatic and controlled, then it helps even more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing, Even you know, if people are starting, I think the biggest message, you know, from me and I'm sure from you as well, is just get out, get outside, you know, whether that's walking or running or cycling or whatever it is, I think there's just something about being outside and especially, you know, we're, you know, blessed where we live up in the northeast of Scotland. There's lots of different places to go, woodland areas and forests and things like that. And, you know, if you can get out and just, you know, make the most of the the time outside, it really does help. Definitely, yeah. So 2021 then, obviously you've got the Olympic marathon trials uh, coming up pretty soon, but I know it's probably still quite hard to predict what the plans are, but, you know, what races or what are, what is in the plans for 2021? Um, I'd like to go back and do some more trail and mountain running. Um, definitely. So that would be on the plan as soon as I finish the marathon and recover, just to get back on the hills again and start building up um, that training with the aim of racing, but not knowing exactly when or where, but, I've got a plan to to go out to Europe and do some races for the Adidas Terex team. Okay. So that would be maybe June, July, August sort of time. Like basically if, if I can get out there, then I'll, I'll, I'll go and do it. And if I can't, then I'll just, yeah, forget one month and think, right, maybe I can go next month. And, and then if I can't, then think about the month after, but there's other options maybe in the UK too. So um, I did hope to do the, the shorter race at the UTMB, like the 50, 50 odd K race but it's dependent on me doing a race to qualify before that. Okay. And, and it has to be in, in May, before the end of May. So I've got an, an entry for a 50K race um, in Scotland in, in May. So if that goes ahead, that's great. And if it doesn't, then, yeah, I'll just push things back to June and, and try and pick up. But basically any kind of hilly races. Um, I'd like to go out to Sierra Zanal again. That's yeah, That and then the UTMB race would be like the two kind of main goals. But like I said, it's dependent on getting there and I really need to be there like six weeks before to, to train properly and get used to the altitude. So yeah, like fingers crossed for that. And if not, then I'll do any kind of Scottish Hill races or I think even in the Lake District, there might be some longer trail races too. So okay. yeah, think about that. Just, yeah, to see what happens basically. Anything, anywhere, yeah. well, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> what, what about some longer term goals then in the sport? You know, I know you've, you've obviously done was it two ultras now officially or um, yeah yeah two 50 miles last well it was wasn't last year was it, it was the year before <laughs> 50 miles in 2019 and then I did uh Hee ultra last year the 50k is that yeah. something you want to do more of or are you kind of stick into marathon and mountains or what's the longer term plans yeah I'm quite keen to go into it more I mean I've done a lot of the same races for the last 10 years and the likes of marathons and and shorter mountain races, I've done so many of them and I've really enjoyed them, but I feel that I would like to have a new challenge because whenever I've gone up the distance in the past and done like steeper, hillier, longer races, it's always been a good move. And I think it would be nice to have that challenge again because I can go into a marathon now, or certainly a, a sort of mountain marathon and think like, it's not a big, I've done so many, it's not a massive physical challenge compared to doing like the 50 mile event I did 
I like to line up at a race and think, right, I don't know if I can actually make it to the end. Yeah. That's a, it's a nice feeling to have when you make it to the end, obviously. But um, yeah, certainly I think I'd like to try more in the sort of 50 mile, maybe up to 100K. I might be rubbish at them. And <laughs> if I am, it's no problem. I can easily come back down the distance again. But it would be nice to just push myself a bit and see yeah. how that feels. And even maybe up to 100 mile, because you see races like Western States and things, and you think, ah, oh, be amazing to go and you know UTMB. Uh, there's so many classics, and yeah. I think you need to do them to to say you've been a proper trail runner. I think there's something there's something about you know making yourself scared, you know, ma- you know having a big goal and and being scared that, and excited also about the challenge. And I think you know you can sometimes get into a bit of a comfort zone. So you know something like Western States or something for you just throw you so far out of your comfort zone. But that would be the exciting thing about it. Yeah, definitely. And every time I've done something like that in the past, like I said, it's been a good move. So it's there's so much more to learn as well. So it just keeps things exciting. And you know, now I've been racing so long, so I have done a lot of I've done a lot of races, and it's been really good. But I'm definitely ready for some some new challenges. So yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. But like I said, <laughs> hard to know. It's just a totally different thing. It's uh, it's totally different to to short racing, but it's exciting. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, so I think, you know, you're, you're clearly somebody that in, inspires a lot, of, a lot of other runners and a lot of people, you know, certainly in Scotland and beyond. So who's, who are your inspirations? Who do you draw inspiration from? And that could be current runners, ex-runners, non-runners, you know, who, who do you get your inspiration from? Yeah, it's always a difficult question because when I started running, I didn't know any runners, didn't know any famous runners, never heard of anyone um, at all. So I just ran, yeah, and I didn't have any, really anybody to to look up to as such. Um, and some of the guys locally, you know, winning races back then were, I thought, well, you know, it's really impressive, like seeing them run. And then, of course, I, I met Fraser quite early in my career just because, um, you know, through all the events I did, I met, you know, Fraser Klein. And, you know, he's quite quiet about a lot of his achievements. But then when I got talking to Fraser and I was hearing about some of the things he did, and I had a book as well that I got, uh, one in a race when I was a junior and it mentioned Fraser and it winning the Sculty Hill race, like uh, all, I, can't, I think he won it like 16 times or even more. And so, so yeah, reading that, I think Fraser locally, when I was developing a bit, was, was a good sort of role model to have and just to ask a few questions and think like, yeah, this guy's basically done everything and he's in the local area. And, and it's impressive just to hear like how good he actually was and not just at marathons, but across everything, you know, hill racing, longer distances like 5k's just the consistency over so long um so that was kind of a local role model and then when i was getting into the mountain running more and going abroad like i remember hearing about this guy called jonathan wyatt and i was thinking oh yeah he like yeah i knew he'd been like world champion lots of times and then i was looking into more of like what he what he was doing as best and it was just ridiculous so so many of the races i've done the likes of young marathon you know he's I've won that three times and so has he, but his fastest time there is 2.49 for an uphill marathon. Yeah. So just to give you some idea of how, it's got 6,000 feet elevation gain and he ran it in 2.49. Wow. And there's so many races like that, that he won just, he, he won like a race, at least one every weekend, if not two in like course record times. And he ran under 28 minutes for 10K as well on track. So he was a really impressive runner. Yeah. And it was quite underrated because he was before like the time of social media, like he kind of just finishing his career as that was really taking off. So he doesn't have like the massive profile of some of the other people, but 
like he was so consistent for so long and just on another level. So I got the chance to race him quite a few times. I think when I was 17, maybe, or 18, I got to race him first time. And of course he completely whipped me. But then by the time I got to like 24, 25, then he was he was over 40 then. So then it was... Uh, there was that evening out, evening out happened at that point. Yeah, there was a few races where we were similar. And then, I, then yeah, I was quicker and he was older, but yeah. Oh, well, no, that's good. And Fraser Klein is uh, an upcoming guest on the, the podcast as well. So we'll, we'll go into some of his stories when, when he comes on as well and hear all about his career. So who, like, I think British running right now seems to be in a good place. There's a lot of, you know, exciting prospects. So, you know, whatever distance, is there anyone you're excited about right now in, in the British run, in British running? Um, yeah, definitely. Um yeah, I mean, the, the thing was, like, just thinking back to the last time I did the marathon trial, was, yeah, 2016 before Rio, and there were a couple of good guys. Obviously, you had Callum and Derek, and they were, like, miles quicker than everybody else, really, the other Brits. And then you fast forward a couple of years to now, and it's so many, like, so many good marathon runners, so many good 10K runners, 5K runners, men and women. It's just absolutely booms, and I think that's amazing. Like it's the depth in, in these fields, like a, the sort of top end of British running is, yeah, I think it's the best it's been for a really long time. And people talk about like the glory years, I'm sure Fraser will, you know, in the eighties, but I think the times people are running now are actually across the board. Like, yeah, some of them are a lot faster even. Yeah. And there's a young guy, um, I think it's Jake Smith. Um, and he ran, oh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what his time he ran for half, half marathon last year, but it was, it might have been under 61. It was it was around 61 minutes, if not like 60, 30 or something. Yeah. And he's, I think, under 23, which is unbelievable, like to run that sort of pace at that age. Because he's probably, he doesn't have as many sort of years background. Because yeah. when Callum, Callum's obviously ran faster, but Callum had a lot of years of like good, consistent races before that and sort of gently built up to that. But just to like, be so good so young like the talent is insane so you think like what could he run for marathon in a few years time and yeah i think we'll, it won't be too long before we have guys running like 207 and maybe even quicker yeah um certainly in the men's and i'd say the women's as well like obviously paula radcliffe was like miles ahead of everybody else yeah. <laughs> for for so long but it, yeah i'd like to think that people will get closer to her time in the uk too yeah, the women, British women right now in the marathon especially are just smashing it. There seems to be so many of them that are all around the similar sort of pace yeah. as well. I think it's really exciting. Again, for the Olympic trials as well, I think the, the female yeah. is really exciting. Like sub 230 now, because years ago, like when you looked at the, the likes of the British teams or Commonwealth teams, you know, some, it was like 235s and things you, you could maybe get picked. But now I think you have to run like 226 and... <laughs> It's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, it's, it's a good place um, for sure. But it's, um, yeah, like it, I feel like I've I've seen a lot of the good years now. Like I've been there before it was really good and now I'm kind of there when it's really good. I'm not at the front, but I've kind of been in amongst it, which has been exciting to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you, you're self-coached, is that right? Uh, yeah, at the moment. So anyway. who who holds you accountable then, or is it just self accountability? Um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, I just I don't even really plan things anymore. I know just roughly what I want to do in the week. Like I don't really think about what I want to do, but I kind of just know, like, oh, on that day I want to do this session, 
and then I want to do that session later in the week and then that'll kind of build on nicely from where I'm at and things um yeah so I think before when I was when I started being self-coached I was like writing the plans out like weeks in advance but then I found that I'd never I didn't really need to stick to it as such I kind of just sometimes I'd wake up and be like nah this is the session I want to do today like this is what I need the way I feel right now so then I would do that and it's probably not the best I don't think it works for many people to be self-coached so (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it you've clearly made it work anyway well, yeah, I mean, it's tricky to get a coach, though, that really works for you. And, and also, because I've been mixing up, like, mountain running and, and marathon, it's very hard to get someone who would coach both and accept both races, um, you know, both types of racing. So, yeah, it's worked better for me just to be self-coach. Cool. But it may change. Yeah. I may, in the future, I might try and get a coach. Like, it, it's not set in stone. It's just... Yeah, just yeah. the way it's been. yeah. And if you were to start your whole career again, is there anything that you would do differently or anything you would change at all? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't think so, no. I think, yeah, when I was younger, everybody told me I was doing daft things. But I mean, I was just hearing that all the time. Oh, you're running too long, you're running too many hills, doing, doing too much and and oh, you should be running on the track and doing that. And I think if I'd started on the track and more, you know, when I was younger, just on track instead of hill running, I would have probably had a lot more speed in my legs and you know, I might have got a lot faster at like 5K and 10K and then I might have been better for the marathon. But I think like if I'd actually just ran on the track, I might have quit because it might have been really boring because I don't really enjoy that. I much prefer running on the hills. So doing the hill training, I think, gave me a totally different outlook on, on everything else. I only really got back into road running again when I was in my twenties, like, and just did a few races for a bit of training, but I never trained on the road. Um, and I think it would have been a mistake to, to focus on that. So I think, yeah, I was happy with what I did in terms of going straight into the hill running and then coming back to road at an older age yeah. with less speed. But uh, <laughs> And uh, so what's the clear highlight so far then? Um, oh, that's a good, <clears throat> I think, yeah, despite, thinking of myself as more of a mountain runner, I think the Commonwealth Games was a highlight because it was very unexpected. Yeah. And that's <clears throat> not really my, I don't really see myself as being a very good road runner. So that was like, yeah, that was a big surprise and something I never thought was possible. But then in terms of other races, like I think when I got the medal in the World Mountain Running Championships, like that was at the time, that was the biggest achievement and it, because it was very hard, very, very hard. Yeah, I had to... I was basically losing my vision on the last lap. Like everything was going black. <laughs> and I was, yeah, it was so hard. And yeah, Young Fire Marathon as well. Like just having won that a few times. Um, yeah, that's definitely a, another highlight. But it's hard to just have just have one favourite. Yeah. I want more highlights in the future as well. Yeah, well, I'm sure, that, I'm sure there's still <laughs> going to be plenty more. Um, and then, so what about outsider running then? What what other interests have you got? What other important things are in your life? I know I see pictures of you gardening and things like that. Is that a, an interest? That's, yeah, I mean, certainly that's been more in the last year, just with, um, like, I do like gardening and things and certainly growing vegetables, stuff like that. But it's just having the time to do it all. Like, so I made a, well, I built like a pond in the garden last year and I'm quite into building ponds and things and keeping fish. I'd like to do more of that, but it's just having the time. And the same with the vegetables, because I'm quite often away in the summer. So 
I can't really overcommit to having loads of things planted and then I'm away in the summer when it's all ready. So, so that's, yeah, these things will hopefully I'll do a bit more of once it's not away so much, but um, yeah, quite into fishing as well. Like I've okay. done a lot of that over the years. So basically if I can fit it in <clears throat> along with my running, then I quite, quite like doing both. But again, it's, yeah, it's hard to do a lot of fishing because you, you just need a lot of time. So yeah. Yeah. fishing that could be that could also be good for recovery get in the river you know cold water cold water <laughs> therapy could be yeah but then the reality is you're you're standing in the wind and rain freezing <laughs> cold and your bones are cold and you just feel so stiff yeah. and you're out for like 10 hours or something outside <laughs> like on your feet and then your feet are soaked so they're completely numb um so okay. and then so what about some tips for the the, the everyday runner like myself or or those getting into the sport what's your your big tips for i suppose people getting into running yeah you're not an everyday runner brian you're <laughs> you're fast oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well I, I would say yeah like if you're starting running i think there's no rush like a lot of people feel that they need to push themselves every run and quite often i'm out running and i see people it's fine to push yourself every now and then but you don't have to like easy runs can be super slow just try to get the feel of your own breathing and just concentrate on getting in a good rhythm and not forcing the pace too much. So yeah, if it means slowing down, then yeah, do that. Don't worry about how fast you're going or look at your watch or anything. And I think another thing is to choose, choose running routes that you enjoy, like places you like being anyway. Cause like for some reason, I think a lot of people get in the way of running on, you know, pavements around about where they live or on the roads and, and stuff. And it is fine. Like it's good training, but if you live like near a nice park or a nice forest or you've got nice riverside trails, I think it's great to go there and explore a bit just because it is stuff to look at and it, you just feel much better and you feel more relaxed. So then I think you get more out of the run than running like, you know, loops around the pavements and things. Yeah. So, so it's just nice to have that variety and yeah. And, and just building up gently because it's, it's very difficult now. Like when I started running, I had no idea what anybody else was doing. I didn't have any, there's no social media and like Strava and things and training plans out there. You just, you didn't really know what to do. Whereas now like you can look at what yeah. one of your friends is doing every day. You get a little update. Like this guy has ran 20 miles this morning before you've even got out of bed. And it's, it can really be a bit intimidating. So I think just switching off from that and looking at what you're doing and say like, I'm not doing as much as that guy. That's fine. But what I'm doing is better than I was doing a few months ago. Like I've made progress within myself. Yeah. I'm running further. I'm building up carefully and it's right for me, but it's not the same as, and I don't need to worry about Strava and like seeing a guy running. Yeah. Running a hundred miles a week. Yeah. If you're not ready for that, it's just. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think it's, it's, it's easy to say, you know, don't compare yourself to others, but you know, because of the Stravas and things like that, it's inevitable that people do so, but <laughs> You know, you, you really do just need to focus on yourself. And, you know, I think you said it earlier that, you know, taking your easy days, you know, do them really easy. I think, you know, people can get caught up in, you know, getting too transfixed on their Strava and think, oh, well, I've got to run at a certain pace. Whereas, you know, you actually feel better if you just take your easy runs or your recovery runs really easy and let your body recover. Um, yeah. So, yeah, great tips there. That's why it's good to run up hills because when you do a hill run, nobody ever asks how fast it was because it's it's on a hill. Like you don't worry about pace. So that's why it's good to run up hills and then you can just take it really easy, just walk, walk bits, take nice photos, and then <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. So, well, so one one of the thing that one of the things I can definitely claim to to share with Robbie Simpson is the fact that we both own a FKT, a fastest known time. So that's yeah. my little claim to fame. So in the summer, you did the five hills of Aberdeen. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Just for a bit of something to do, because um, I've always quite fancied linking up all those hills into one run. So I thought I'll do it as a bit of a challenge and start right in the city centre and do that and I don't know if anybody else has given it a go yet but probably you've probably set the standard and everyone's scared to do it scared to do it whereas with my one I I set the set it because I'm the only one I think has done it but I'm going to just cling on to that for as long as I can until inevitably you know somebody <laughs> like you especially where you live I'm sure would like to have a, a crack oh, yeah. at the D side way and, and knock my one out of the park but you know I've got some inside information on that, Brian. I'm not sure if I, I should share, but um, there is a. It's not myself, and I might have a go at it one time. But there is a very good local uh, runner that is a planning to do it actually this weekend. Ah, okay. <laughs> I, did, I did suspect that I might not have it too long, so yeah, I was expect I was waiting for a a proper ultra runner to come along and and grab it off me. So. Just with the D33 being cancelled, um, somebody changed their plans. Yeah. To to basically have a go. So I'm interested to see. He, he is a good runner. Um, he does do some ultra races. No, so he, he's good. You he, he might, but then you might not might not beat your time. So we'll, oh, well, we'll see. see. Yeah. So look out on Strava on, on Sunday, Sunday evening. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I will. I will. So okay, so we'll we'll just start rounding up. And and one of the things I'm keen to ask everyone on the podcast is their top top tips in three areas so top tips for improving performance for improving recovery and for improving sleep so just you know quick fire first of all what's your your top tip for improving performance i think um running at a variety of intensities through the week so like i said some easy days really easy one or two hard days in the week where you are focusing on quality but then having enough easy days to recover between and then <clears throat> that should help you be consistent over a long time and yeah, get fitter. Yeah. And how about recovery then? Tip for improving your recovery? Um, I'd say to eat something within 30 minutes or an hour of finishing every run, um, something with carbohydrates. That would be my main tip. Because I, I was going to say sleep, but because you had sleep as the last one. Well, the reason I leave sleep till the end is because most people will probably say sleep for recovery. So my sleep one is, what's your tip for being able to improve your sleep then? Um, I think switching off any phones or not looking at any phones or technology or anything for at least an hour before you want to go to bed, if not more. Um, that would be one tip. So instead of that, just trying to read a book or yeah. anything that just helps you calm down a little bit and turning out like bright lights that are on like staring you in the face in the last sort of hour or so before bed just to sort of dim things down get you a bit more relaxed yeah definitely great tip and i actually uh, bought myself a pair of blue light blocking glasses oh, just cool. for the end for the you know the very end of the day just so any of that light that's getting emitted you know as it's coming close to bedtime it just helps limit the impact of that so um, yeah, that's a, a good tip for people as well to help with their sleep. So, okay, well, so where, where can people find you then? Where can they follow you? Um, yeah, I guess I'm on Instagram, uh, Fat Simpson. Yeah, so this was something I was going to ask you. Why Fat Simpson? <laughs> well, I just, every time I've been away at races, people have always just laughed at me for the, the amount I'm eating in my meals. 
like, you know, having tons and tons of food. And even sometimes people, this was the pre-COVID days, people would just pass their plates up to me with what they'd left. <laughs> and I just <laughs> clear the plates. So yeah, I just yeah, thought it was a bit of a laugh. But then I think people take it very literally. They're like, oh, but you're not fat. I'm like, yeah. well, I'm not fat yet, but. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe one day it'll all uh, catch up with you. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. And I can relax. <laughs> well, uh, anyone you can you can find it will be on Instagram at Fat Simpson. Um, okay, well, you know, thanks so much, Robbie, for for coming on. You know, all of us at HBHM wish you all the very best for the the trials at the twenty on the twenty sixth of March. So, good luck. Thank you very much. It's been great to great to chat to you. Cool. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the latest episode of the HBHM podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a reminder that you can get 15% off at checkout on hbhm.com by putting in the code HBHMPOD. Please share the latest podcast on socials at Instagram. We are at HBHM official and we look forward to speaking to you next time.